coming to you live from the Bridge City. It's the little podcast on the hill featuring your charming host, Matt the Dirty Bird Breidenbach. What's up? What's up? There we go. All right. Well, for right now, there's just two of us this week. Austin's taking his sweet ass time doing whatever it is he's doing. So we're just going to get moving. We got a lot to get through today. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, first things first, we uh, we were going to do this uh, in a sort of midweek episode where we kind of recapped the week before and uh, we were going to go through some midseason awards. It didn't happen this week. Uh, just a few things came up. We weren't able to get it done. Um, we will probably do that now, uh, you know, moving forward. Either uh, Tuesday or Wednesday nights, we'll uh, actually we'll, we'll probably make it Tuesday nights. Uh, we'll we'll do those sort of midweek episodes. Um, but to kick off the show today, let's uh, let's go right into the midseason awards or the two thirds of a season awards. Um, <laughs> Noel, Noel, I'll give you the floor. You can go through all your stuff there, and then I'll follow. Uh, all right. So I'll start out with uh, MVP picks uh, by conference. Um, for the AFC, uh, my pick at this point in the season is, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't quite hear, you know, uh, the chatter about him that kind of belies someone who's kind of at the top of their game right now. Uh, but at that position through this point in the season, like there's, there's no one, uh, more consistent in leading the pack than Patrick Mahomes right now. He leads the AFC in passing yards per game, uh, 298. Uh, his touchdown to interception ratio is 25 to 1. That's ridiculous. He's only been sacked 12 times in nine games, and his QB rating is a, a bonkers 115.9, which leads yeah. the AFC clearly. Um I don't know if he's getting kind of the Michael Jordan treatment because he's, you know, seen as the MVP, you know, for, for a few years now, but uh, I don't think he can be discounted. Yeah, I think uh, I, I act, I have the exact same thing. I don't think that, you know, as far as, and I mean, MVP normally goes to a, you know, we think of more of the, a quarterback, um, and I think, I think right now, as far as MVP talks, AFC, it's gotta be Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, like, like, I mean, he's, he's, he's only thrown the one pick this year. Um, yeah. and as you said, almost a one sixteen QB rating. Um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't get a whole lot better. The chiefs look amazing again this year. Got to give it to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And you take it, the, the way I try to look at the MVP process and, and this'll, uh, maybe make a bit more sense in the NFC. Uh, with my pick but you take the player away from the team and you know how badly does that um, does does that put them in in, yeah. in in terms of the position that they're at at this point in the season yeah absolutely. Um, so in the, on the uh, NFC side with that in mind my MVP right now is Dalvin Cook running mm. back for uh, Minnesota um, he's missed one game this year so in the eight games that he's played he has 12 rushing touchdowns, one reception touchdown, 954 rushing yards, a ridiculous 5.5 yards per carry right now. <laughs> he also has 20 catches for another 189 yards. Um, and he won a game against the 
uh, NFC leading Green Bay Packers on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy is able to put ridiculous performances in uh, week in and week out, and you take him out of the equation in Minnesota. I don't, I don't know that how many wins that team is coming away with. Uh, no, I, I can I can definitely agree with you there. If you took him away, they would there would be nothing there really. Um, I, I and, and I mean it, it does make sense. I am I'm gonna go with. I mean if if you look at it that way, if you took and again this this hurts me. I wanted to this whole season. I've been saying Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. Um, he did have a good game on Thursday night. We'll get we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but I mean if you look at his numbers, they were really good. Um, and then he had those two bad games. Um, and he now has 10 interceptions. Um, he, that's, I think, fourth most in the league or maybe even tied for third. I think yeah. the only people with more interceptions thrown are Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, my midseason MVP in the NFC uh, is Aaron Rodgers right now. Uh, 26 touchdowns, only three interceptions. His QB rating is 115.7, I believe I have right here. Um, yeah, I, it's 68% completion percentage. Um, again, I would have loved to say Russell Wilson here, but I got to go with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, yeah, it, it, it hurts a little bit, but uh, it's the I truth. Think, <laughs> I think near the top. I think near the top of the NFC, there are there are quite a few candidates that are that are playing yeah. themselves out right now. Um, you, you know, with uh, Russell Wilson being one of them, I think Kyler Murray is kind of a dark horse pick right now too, yeah. um, depending on how they finish the season there. So, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of exciting how that's going to play out in that conference. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, let's go to the defensive players of the year right now. Okay, uh, for the AFC, this this kind of hurts me because it's in the division with Pittsburgh and it's not a Pittsburgh player. Uh, but my... <laughs> Uh, the, the defensive player of the year for the NFC I have right now is Miles Garrett uh, for the Cleveland Browns. He uh, leads the NFL currently with nine and a half sacks. He's forced four fumbles on the year, uh, and he's doing the right things to lead this defense and allow Baker Mayfield and that offense to finally win games, which they are doing this year. Um, Cleveland is playing out in front in more games uh, than in than in years past, and Miles Garrett has uh, has a big influence on the defensive side there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I have him in mind too. I obviously, honorable mention. You got to go look at T.J. Watt. Um, I think the the other player that I kind of had my eye on uh, was the cor- uh, one of the corners for the Miami Dolphins, fifth year man out of Baylor, Xavier Howard. The guy has five interceptions mm-hmm. this year. Um, playing huge he's and i mean they're putting him on every team's top receiver um he's had a he's had a really good year in miami they've won five in a row um and it's it's one of those things like in miami right now they've won five in a row and those are five team wins like they're they're firing on every you know in every facet of the game so um, absolutely but but i do agree with you uh bottom line it's miles garrett right now huge huge difference maker on the field every game Mm -hmm. um and in the NFC, who do you got? I've got uh, Devin White from Tampa Bay. Uh, right. right now, he's uh, top five in the league in tackles with 88. Uh, he's got 11 tackles for loss, five sacks, one forced fumble, and he is just a force 
on a defense that has been making waves most of the season. You know, the Tampa Bay defense in, in fantasy in the leagues that I drafted in, you know, they were kind of a meme when someone went after them in, in kind of their top few defenses. But but they're they're really proving um, that uh, all of the hype on them coming into the season uh, was fairly justified. And uh, White uh, is certainly doing his part on one of the top defenses in the NFC. Yeah, they're uh, that that whole line. That that defense is fun to watch, actually. Uh, yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul's kind of having like this like sneaky good. Uh, I don't want to say a comeback year, but it kind of is a comeback year. Um, he and he's doing everything. He's rushing the passer. He's dropping back into coverage. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch for sure. Um, mm-hmm. My pick, and I mean it's it's kind of the obvious one. Uh, I believe he's tied for the league lead with nine sacks. He's got three forced fumbles. I'm going with the big man on the inside for the Rams. I'm going with Aaron Donald. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I, I mean, his his play speaks for itself. He's the scariest interior lineman, I think, um, ever, really. I mean, just, just looking at the guy, he's just an absolute tank. Uh, he's fast. Uh, and he's still, he's still doing that, getting doubled and triple teamed off the go. Exactly. Yeah. He, uh, so it's, that's, and he also has uh, 26 solo tackles at an interior lineman spot too, which, I mean, it's not a huge number, but he's, as you said, being doubled and triple teamed, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not going to, not going to deny that. No, absolutely not. Um, let's go to, let's go uh, rookies uh, starting on offense. Yeah. Well, let's go with the rookies of the rookies right now. Sure. Um, AFC, I'm going back to my division and going with Joe Burrow. Um, He was pegged as the starter right out of the draft. um, And I think his development through the season uh, has kind of spoken for itself at this point. Uh, He's top three passing yards uh, as a rookie all time right now. Um, Don't know how that'll play out uh, through the rest of the season, but he's getting the green light to, uh, to basically uh, chuck their way to wins. Um, he's been keeping Cincinnati in almost every game so far. Take away the games against, you know, division top guns, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Every loss has been within five points. He's been within a score uh, of winning these games. Um, so uh, he, he's, he's got the confidence of the team he's producing, uh, and I'm excited to see what the next few years are going to be for him. Yeah, uh, if if they can, if like right now, I mean, he's doing this all with a bad offensive line too. Look, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that that offensive line is not good. Um, I think that's definitely the next order of business for that Cincinnati organization. They have to build an offensive line around him. They got to get a run game going too. Um, well, yeah, the run game has hurt them because Mixon has been injured a lot this year. So yeah, yeah, and and Giovanni Bernard just isn't that game breaking running back. Um, he's not, he's not a bad running back, but he's not, your he's not a number one guy. Yeah. Um, I was going to say Joe Burrow, uh, I ended up going with, uh, his counterpart, uh, Justin Herbert. Um, I don't think that, like, I mean, obviously he's one in six, I believe as a starter. Um, I don't think any, well, many of those losses are really his fault. Um, mm-hmm. no. And I mean, it, it partially is, but I mean, the, the team gave up, I think, four straight 16-point leads, um, you know, in, in that losing streak. Um, he's completed 67% of his passes, uh, about 2,150 yards, 17 TDs, five interceptions. Um, he, he's my guy so far through the first half of the year. 
Um, he's obviously. putting the team in position to win every week. Yeah, I don't, I don't yes. think you can put a lot of blame on him. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, moving on to the NFC. I'm going to take a young defender out of Washington, Chase Young. Um, this guy, how many rookies can you talk about? Like, can, can you – can you hear about how they are talking about being double and triple teamed um, <laughs> by, by the offensive line? This kid yeah. is really good. He's got three and a half sacks already this year, 18 solo tackles. Uh, he's just a quick burst of energy coming off the end. And I think he's a really exciting football player on a defense that's really underrated this year. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. Um, there, and you know what? There's actually – there's a few uh, there's a few pretty good defenders rookie defenders in the NFC. Um, Jalen Johnson, the corner for the Bears, has been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, safety for the for the Panthers, sorry, Jeremy Chin, also been good. Um, my pick, however, is Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 this guy's unreal. Um, Thirty four catches for six hundred and twenty seven yards, uh, three touchdowns. Um, I, I really like him, and I think, uh, you know, someone who can sort of complement Dalvin Cook in that offense. Yeah, someone who could also complement uh, Adam Thielen as well after yeah. losing Stephon Diggs in the offseason. I think he's been a, a great complement to helping um, uh, that offense, you know, stay, stay as open as they can be with another big play rookie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, he's, 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 he's been fun to watch so far. What's that dance called that they're all doing now in the end zone? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I haven't paid as much attention to that probably as I should. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I see it like three or four times a week. And it's like, I'm like, A, like super jealous. Um, and B, I just want to know what it's called. But uh, Whatever it is, it's working because they're not getting fined. It is working, yeah. Um, let's go to... Who's your coach of the years? Coaches of the year so far. Um, uh, on the AFC side, um, uh, uh, my current coach of the year is Mike Tomlin. Um, he's uh, led a team that has surpassed uh, expectations. Uh, they're undefeated this far into the season. Um, you know, as an organization for uh, for the first time ever. Uh, they're on track to uh, to have one of the top two spots. And I know only the top spot right now uh, gets that by. Um, but uh, with, with an offense that has started slow, uh, he's always found a way to get them clicking when it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I credit Mike Tomlin a lot for, uh, for what's going on in Pittsburgh this season. Yeah, it's uh, it it is hard. I think if there if we have, I, I would agree there. I think if there is an honorable mention, it should go to Brian Brian Flores in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be my only other. Yes, you could maybe say Mike Rabel in Tennessee, but I'm not there yet. No, and the way Tennessee has played the last few weeks, I think has dropped him out for me. Yeah. He looked smart at the beginning of the season, and I'll be honest with you, if you started off this category and talked about Mike Tomlin, I would have come back with Brian Flores. He's up there too. Yeah. Um, I think that the way that team, uh, as a team, as we talked about earlier, is coming together to win games, yeah. um, he's got a lot to do with it there. Yeah, I think the and maybe one other guy in the NFC, Frank Reich, for uh, Indianapolis, he would be the other name I'd maybe throw into that mix as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't think the, I don't think you can say anyone other than Mike Tomlin right now. 
Um, okay, on to the NFC. Who do you got? Uh, I struggled with this one a bit because there, there are a lot of teams that are up and down. No one's really dominating outside of Green Bay, and Green Bay had a 13-3 season last year. Um, but I'm going to go with Bruce Arians and Tampa Bay uh, with uh, you know the, the turnaround that they have done from year to year by bringing in uh, – and, and managing uh, a, an aging Tom Brady. And I wish Austin was here to, 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 to listen <laughs> to how I explain that. Um, but uh, he is, uh, I love the way that he is, um, you know, publicly addressing Tom Brady and, uh, you know, giving him something completely different um, than how he was handled in, in the media there in Boston. Um, and I, I think Tom Brady, the competitor, you know, the goat that everyone believes he is, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think he's really kind of taken that to heart and really wants to, you know, uh, show up, uh, show up the coach and what he's saying. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, 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 I give him a lot of credit for tapping into that and how this offense has, uh, has turned around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think I, I also, I mean, Again, like we, you talked about Green Bay a little bit. I think Matt LaFleur has done a really good job there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's no, I mean, other than Devontae Adams, again, no like real big name receivers around there, but they've made it work with who they have. Again, that's that's in large part just due to Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I got like Matt LaFleur there. Um, if the Panthers' record was a little better, I might even say Matt Rule. Um, but I think right now I would go with, with uh, LaFleur. And Green Bay. We also forgot to mention Andy Reid in the AFC. You can't really forget about him either. But uh, you know, almost uh, it's it seems year in and year out, you could pretty much put him in the conversation. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, what are some other? You you had a couple other uh, ones you wanted to go through there. I've got uh, special teams and uh, disappointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll, I'll start with uh, with special teams. Okay. Um, the special teams player I have for the AFC uh, is another reason about this win streak that has gone five in a row in Miami and the team mentality. It's yep. uh, Jason Sanders. He's yep. missed one field goal all season. He's a uh, perfect five for five from 50 plus. Uh, he's a hundred percent on extra points this year, which is almost two dozen. So that team is scoring touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he's helping this team consistently score points when they are in range, which is something you, know, you come to expect from that position this day and age. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I can't argue with that at all. Um, I, I would, I would have to agree with you 100%. Um, Harrison Butker and Casey, I think is, is, you know, with his leg, he can definitely do a lot. Uh, for, was it that one game he like kicked three straight field goals, just over 54 yards, um, you know, so, I mean, he, I, I would throw him in that mix as well, but uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, who do you got in the NFC? The NFC, I've got uh, Minnesota Vikings, Corderell Patterson. Uh, he is destroying this league in return yards. Uh, the Bears. Has, for the, you mean for the Bears? Oh, for the Bears. Yes. For the yeah. Bears. For the Bears. Brain fart there. You take yeah. away his 100-yard touchdown return that he had, yeah. he's still leading the league by over 100 yards in that category. Corderell Patterson is far and away 
the the NFC special teams player of the year. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, th- this is a guy who really, I mean, he's he's done. He hasn't really done a whole lot on the offensive side of the ball in his time in Minnesota or Chicago. I mean, he's you know a little bit of a role player, I guess you could call him. But he is a special. He's a special team specialist. He's a return specialist. That's what he does. Um, and yeah, he had another big return there last weekend. So um, yeah, I, I got to agree with you there as well. Yeah, good on you for disagreeing with the team. That was was a disappointment. And speaking of disappointments, um, in the AFC, I chose the Tennessee Titans. Um, And that is really uh, because of how October really went for them, October and into November. This team was pegged to run away with this division this year. And now they're having a hard time keeping relevant in it. Uh, They've lost three of their last four games and they're finding themselves scrambling to stay with a a surprisingly steady Indianapolis Colts team. Um, I, 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 the the way that the last four or five weeks have played out have, have put Tennessee into this decision or into this position. Um, And it's, it's gotta be really disappointing from how they started the year. Yeah, I um, I'm not. I, I don't know if I'd call them a, a huge disappointment yet, but I mean they, as you, like I mean they they, they lost to the Bengals. Um, I, I I see where you're coming from for sure. Um, I don't really I don't have a, a a huge disappointment coming out of the AFC out of the NFC. Um, and again, this this was a team that's been like heavily plagued by injuries, so I don't want to put it you know all on all, all on the team per se, but. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, um, they would be my big disappointment so far this year. Okay, fair enough. Um, I took this a different way in the NFC, and I took the whole NFC least division. Um, <laughs> it's, it's atrocious that a team from this division is going to be given a playoff spot. The yeah. best team in this uh, division, 10 weeks into the season, is a game and a half under 500. That's embarrassing for a professional sports league. Yeah, and I mean that that team just lost to another team in that division, so that that yeah. gives you an idea of how that's going. Um, it it is scary to think that, and like really any one of those four teams, whether it's going to be Washington, Philly, Dallas, or the New York Giants, one of those teams gets in. Um, yeah, I mean they could have they could be a team with five wins. Um, I remember. Uh, Way back when, you know, Beastquake happened for the first time, um, you know, Seattle that year was seven and nine. And I thought that was an embarrassment for them to be in the playoffs. It's going to be a team with a lesser record than that this year. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the only other um, sort of, uh, what do you call it? The only th- other thing I want to talk about is either a, you know, your, your top comeback player of the year or most improved, either or. Um, well, I'm going to go with a homer pick here in the AFC and go with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, yeah. You know, at his age, taking an injury like that last season, um, to, to come back uh, and be able to produce in a way he's doing this year no, he doesn't have the same arm strength, and that can't be expected with the elbow injury that he took. Um, but he's still extremely accurate. 
that two minute offense is one of the best, if not the best in football. And he is throwing um, more touchdowns a game uh, than any, than any other team on average per game, uh, which is ridiculous at, at his age. So I'm going to, I'm going to give the nod to him uh, for, uh, for what he's been able to do thus far. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. Big Ben has been it's been it's been an awesome story in Pittsburgh. And this this comes from a person who I'm not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I you got to love what's going on there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, on the in the NFC, I would go with maybe a, a Matthew Stafford. He only played nine games last year. Uh, he's having a pretty good year stats wise. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about Alex Smith as well. Again, not I mean, he, well, he, he threw for almost 400 yards last week. Um, but, you know, that, that leg injury that he suffered back in, in 2018, um, it got infected and it actually was like like almost life-threatening. Uh, yes. 17, 17 surgeries he went through. Um, he's come out and he's put up numbers for, for Washington. And again, it's a 2-7 and seven team and they are in the playoff hunt right now. Um, so I, I, I like Alex Smith for that one. Yeah, and why not? He's in a game and a bit of relief. He's got over 700 yards passing on that offense. Yeah, he's thrown some picks. He's not as accurate yet, but he seems to be the best option to get that team in an offensive position to win games. And when he starts getting a bit more accurate, um, why not? Why not them? in that division to make a second half run with him leading the charge on offense and that defense doing what they've done to this point. Yeah. The number one pass defense still. Um, Yeah. yeah, I I, I like, I like Alex Smith. It's a good story. And uh, I, in that division, I'm, I'm actually rooting for Washington. I hope they make it into the playoffs. (laughs) Um, All right, let's move on. Uh, Let's quickly just touch on the Thursday night game. Seattle Seahawks played host to the Arizona Cardinals. Came through with a big win. Um, they had lost two in a row. Um, they win 28-21. And uh, as again, as a Seahawks fan, I, it was a huge sigh of relief for them to get a win. But uh, their uh, their defense played a hell of a game. Best game they've played all year. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe aided by a Kyler Murray injury. Um, but they were able to contain him all game. Um you know, DeAndre Hopkins didn't hurt them like he's been hurting other teams. So I'm um, super happy. Russell Wilson didn't turn the ball over. Um, and that's <laughs> behind his third string center. Um, <laughs> I, I, I could, couldn't be happier. They got the run game going too with, with Carlos Hyde. He was running through people. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a huge win for Seattle, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big takeaway from the box score when you look at it to see, to credit how good Seattle's defense was, Larry Fitzgerald was the most targeted receiver uh, on, on Arizona, not Hopkins. Um, so uh, that, that kind of gave you a sense of uh, how, the defense, how the defensive secondary uh, was playing. Um, and Seattle led from pole to pole. Like they, yep. they never gave the lead up. Uh, when they when they scored first, and uh, you know, all, all credit to them for a huge comeback win against a division opponent, very tough division opponent. All these division games are tough in the NFC West, um, and yeah, credit Seattle for coming in and getting a big win. Yeah, huge, huge win. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't can't stress it enough. They oh, they take first place back. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was good to see. And you know what? They they traded they traded yet another draft pick away. Um, they traded it to Cincinnati. They got Carlos Dunlap. Um, I didn't I wasn't sure how much of a difference he would make. Um, I've noticed it through his first two weeks. He's making plays, um, and it's it hit between him, Snacks Harrison in the middle. Um, they're they're starting to actually get pressure on quarterbacks, and it's helping their secondary out. Um, when Shaquille Griffin gets back from his injury, like he's been out with for a couple weeks with a concussion, if that defense stays healthy, Seattle's going to be very hard to beat. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's it's exciting to see because I was very worried for for a couple weeks there, um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, moving on, uh, we got a another full slate of matchups this weekend. Uh, we'll just uh, again, Austin's not here, so we can kind of take our time with these things a little bit because we don't have him, you know, filling up airtime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> keep the gas out of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. First matchup: uh, Cincinnati at Washington. Uh, it's currently sitting at Washington minus one. It's basically a pick on the over-unders at 47. What do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, for, for reasons that we've talked about uh, to this point, I'm going to take Washington in a pick game at home with Cincinnati. Um, I think Alex Smith is going to be able to do more uh, on offense, and I expect this defense, especially the secondary, uh, to contain uh, – to contain rookie Joe Burrow here. Um, I think it probably goes under. I don't think there's going to be as much scoring in this game. I see maybe like a 24 to 20 type game, uh, but I think Washington comes out on top here. Um, I'm going to disagree with you on both ends, I guess. Um, you <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, I think uh, I, I, I got the Bengals to win this one. Um, they're four and oh, uh, against the spread after allowing 30 plus in the, in a game previous um, Washington is own four against the spread in their last four as a favorite and as a home favorite as well. Oh, and four one and seven against the spread after gaining over 250 yards passing in the previous game. Um, and I, I do, I, th- I think, I, I do think Alex Smith will be able to put up points against the Cincinnati defense. Um, but I, I like Cincinnati's, Young receivers. I love Joe Burrow. I think this is going to go over 47. Um, and I, I like Cincinnati to win here. Uh, well, plus, plus one for sure. <laughs> um, moving on to a game I looked into a little bit. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons visiting the New Orleans Saints. Uh, even despite the injury to Drew, Drew Brees, he will not be playing. Um, and Taysom Hill, who is technically listed as a tight end on the depth chart gets the nod at quarterback over James Winston. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened where a tight end has started over the second string quarterback, uh, but that's the case in new Orleans. Um, I think, uh, you know, look, I, I don't, I, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the week uh, and you had said that, you know, Jameis isn't so much, isn't that bad of a, a downgrade really. Um, I still think James Winston will play in this game. Um, I think he'll play quite a bit personally, because I still think they're going to run those packages for Taysom Hill where he's, you know, either in the backfield or split out as wide receiver. Um, I still, I think this offense will be fine. Um, I think they'll, as long as they're able to get it going on the ground a little bit, I think they're going to be okay. Um, Atlanta is two and 11 against the spread in their last 13 after scoring 30 plus in a game. Um, they're also one and four against the spread in their last five versus new Orleans. 
The Saints are 7-0-1 in the last eight against the spread after getting uh, less than 250 yards in a previous game. I got New Orleans minus three and a half, over 49. Um, I think I, I think they're going to run away with this personally. I yeah, I have I agree with you on both of those selections. Um, I even think the over is really one of the locks of the week this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, to to be in that you know the coaching war room at Atlanta this week, trying to develop a game plan. Who's going to be the quarterback you're playing against? It doesn't come out until late in the week that, you know, Taysom Hill is going to be the starter when, uh, you know, widely projected Jameis Winston was likely going to be in that position. Alvin Kamara goes from healthy to injured to, you know, definitely going to be playing in the game. Like as that changed from day to day during the week, and I wonder how much, the information that Sean Payton was letting out to the press. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wonder how much of that was maybe a little bit gamesmanship uh, yeah. on, on the part of Sean Payton uh, to, to really disrupt any planning Atlanta could, could be doing. Um, but uh, I think the saints offense is better. Uh, their defense is certainly better uh, and they're capable of winning games in that division. I think there's three and in the division right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. Atlanta's having trouble, you know, if they have the lead closing out games period. Um, so yeah, I agree. Saints in this goes, this, this is a slugfest. I, I think so too. And, and I think, you know, Atlanta, you know, Raheem Morris, he's kind of an interim head coach right now. Um, I think Sean Payton has a huge edge over him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could see New Orleans, you know, winning this by by two scores for sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I love over 49. I think I'll probably just just to be safe, that'll be a play I make at like 48 and a half, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that game for for a lock there. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, moving on to the next game, we got your Pittsburgh Steelers visiting Jacksonville Jaguars. Here we go. So. This is another 10 plus, you know, spread. Yeah. yeah. Two in three weeks, two in three weeks on the road. And for the second time in three weeks, I'm going to take Pittsburgh uh, minus, uh, you know, a huge spread. Um, Pittsburgh is better in literally every statistical category here. The real question is can they cover the 10 and a half points? Um, historically, Jacksonville has always played the Steelers really tough you straight up they even have a five four edge in their last nine meetings yeah. uh, but it's been a long time since they've been mismatched like this and i think that's going to be the key to how this game turns out the steelers are relatively healthy in the league where injuries are starting to hamper game plans and jacksonville is a a, a key example of that uh, Pittsburgh leads the lead in sacks, interceptions, and takeaway differential. They're playing against a quarterback who's playing only his third game this year. Um, and, you know, the only thing missing from this team right now is a running game. Uh, when you get into December and January football, you've got to have a running attack as temperatures go down. Uh, on the plus side to Pittsburgh, Anthony McFarland uh, should be active for this week. And I think he provides a better change of pace approach uh, at the running back position for Pittsburgh. So I'd like them to, to be able to start churning something up with the, with the football in the run game. Um, personally, I'd, I'd like the Steelers to win this game by two touchdowns. 
Um, so I think they're going to cover. Uh, I think the over-under is kind of dependent on how many points Jacksonville can score. Um, I don't expect Pittsburgh to seem as lazy as Green Bay did last week. Uh, I really think Pittsburgh is, is coming, coming in this week to attack. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And I mean, they got, they got great weather down there for football. Um, yeah. It, it's not, it's a, you know, it's not going to be raining or anything. I think, uh, you know, Jacksonville was able to put up, what was it? 20 last week um, yeah. against green Bay. One of those was a, a pick, like, or was it a pick six that Rogers threw or I don't know. I don't know if it was a pick six, but he threw a pick, gave up good field position. Anyway. Um, yeah. I don't see Pittsburgh's defense giving up what green Bay's did. Um, no, yeah, even, I, if, even if Jacksonville I, I, were to score 20 points, I think Pittsburgh's going to score over 30. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Jacksonville's defense, one of the worst in, you know, points given up per game. Um, they, they give up 30 a game. So uh, if that's any indication, Pittsburgh's offense scores 30 a game. Um, it, it, you're right. It does all depend on what Jacksonville can put up on the board. Um, I think I like – I think I like the under here, um, and I I'm one for three on on betting on betting on teams uh, <laughs> minus double digits. But uh, I think I don't know if I'm going to lock it in this week. But I would probably predict Pittsburgh minus ten and a half should be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I, they're they're just far far too good. They're in a different league, pretty much. Um, yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, this is a game I probably will lock in. Uh, Philadelphia is at Cleveland. Cleveland right now minus two and a half over under sitting at 47. Yeah, I love Cleveland in this game. And I think I, I, I can't believe right now that the spread is, is really that close. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland is the far superior team and they know how to win big games this season. Uh, their defense is... Uh, you know, one of the best in a generation of Cleveland football, not one of the best in the league, but I mean, we're comparing to a really low bar here. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, and Philadelphia is floundering in the pole position of this. Ter- what kind of, what, what kind of anti superlative do you give to a division that is as, terrible as the nfc east um nobody wants to win that division so why would you expect them to win a game yeah um i i I would lock in cleveland here at uh at minus two and a half and uh and really sit back and watch money go into your account because this is um this is a steal in my opinion yeah i agree i and you know what i last week um i i thought cleveland minus two and a half well i i took them for minus two and a half um, I thought that was a lock. Houston ended up getting a late touchdown, uh, mm-hmm. and and Nick Chubb had a clear path to the end zone, and he jumped out at the goal <laughs> line. Um, they only won by three. They barely covered for me, but they covered, and I felt like they were kind of in control the whole game. Um, looking at that defense, uh, they are getting better uh, statistically because uh, they were near the bottom there for a while. But, again, they force a lot of turnovers. Um, they forced 15 so far this year. Carson Wentz leads the league in interceptions thrown. You got Miles Garrett coming off the edge. He's going to be wreaking havoc in the backfield all game long. Um, and I think Cleveland's rushing offense versus that Philly rushing defense, that rush defense is not very good. Um, yeah, I, I, 
I'm definitely, I'm betting on this one. I'll say that for, I'll tell you that for free. I'm definitely going to be betting minus two and a half here. I think that's an absolute gift. Putrid would be kind to call that Philly run defense. (laughs) Putrid. No, it's your nice word. Okay. Uh, Yeah. As far as the over under there, I'm not going to touch it. Um, I think, I I think I'd probably go under. Mm. Uh, the last yeah, it kind of again depends on the offense that Philadelphia can produce. Yeah, the last two games that Cleveland's played at home, uh, there has been a total of I think thirty nine points in two games mm-hmm. from both teams combined. So, um, as that trend goes, I would probably go under. But mm-hmm. um, okay, moving on to the next game, we got Detroit at Carolina. Carolina right now minus two and a half, forty six and a half over under. Yeah, I'm I'm really unsure on this game personally. Yeah. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm quite quite conflicted because I don't I, I really have no idea how this game could play out. Um, who's going to be a quarterback for Carolina? Um, is Teddy Bridgewater going to come back? How injured is he going to be? Um, we know that when he is at the head of that offense they can be effective at scoring points. And he's the main reason uh, behind that. Now they are obviously much better when Christian McCaffrey is there too, but Mm -hmm. Teddy Bridgewater has certainly had uh, his fair share to say uh, on, on how Carolina has played this season and Detroit kind of they're four and five. They're a middling team. Um, They're kind of up and down. You don't, you don't, you don't see them as being, world beaters but you don't see them as as being complete pushovers either no um, so i really i really don't know how to call this game um i i, I really I, i'm kind of staying away from this one yeah the um I, i've been again i've been a panther fan all year i love teddy bridgewater with him out while well, he's listed as doubtful um like you said if he does play how healthy is he um i with McCaffrey out, you got two starting O linemen out. Um, uh, their rookie defensive end, Gross Matos, listed as questionable. Like they're banged up. They're really banged up, actually. Um, uh, their uh, middle linebacker, too, um, to hear Whitehead, he's listed as questionable. Um, if, if they're this banged up, I know they're playing at home. Um, I know Detroit's not, you know, they're coming off of a tough loss against Arizona. Um, but I, I like them here. Plus three. I, I like Detroit here. It is kind of it a, is. it's definitely a weird game, but uh, between these two teams, the lines have covered five out of the last seven. Um, I'm going to go with Detroit here. I don't know if, again, I don't know if I'll bet on it, but I think if I, uh, if I had to venture a guess, I'd go with Detroit plus three. Yeah. Detroit is also coming in here with injuries on offense. Kenny Galladay is not playing. DeAndre Swift is not playing. So you're going to have at running back the tandem of Adrian Peterson and, and carry on Johnson, um, which, which is, you know, a downgrade to say the least. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, does Matthew Stafford do enough in the air uh, to be able to propel this team to, to victory? Is that what you think here? Yeah, I well, I, I honestly think that Adrian Peterson has a lot left in the tank too. Um, I, I think he can. I think he can still put up points. Um, I just, I just think it comes down to Carolina. They, they have their, 
their two main guys on offense not playing. Um, I think that ultimately will decide things here. Yeah, if Bridgewater doesn't play, I, I'm with you. If Bridgewater does play, yeah, if if he plays, they, they if he plays, they do have a shot. And I think if he does play, it will be it will be within a field goal this game. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these teams play close games, so. Um, but I, again, even if he does play, like how healthy is he going to be? Um, I don't know. It, it is a, that is a tough one for sure. Um, moving on to uh, the Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, this is a this is an interesting game. I actually already bet on this game. Um, the early lines came out and I jumped on it. Um, Baltimore's favored minus six right now. The over under sitting at fifty. Um, Personally, uh, you know, Baltimore's was it was it Baltimore's last game they lost to New England? Yeah, it was. Yes, um, yeah. Oster would be here to remind us, but yes, he not. would. Um, I'm actually, it's actually been like super cool not having him talk about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was like I was like mentally preparing all week to like have to listen to him just like gloat on and on about the Patriots winning. Um, <laughs> You know, and this is the first we've heard of it. It's great. Um, this is this was kind of on a, a one of the guys I follow on Instagram who is a a superb sports better. Um, his name is, he, he goes by Kenny Betts Big. Um, now I don't subscribe to this guy's picks because he charges like 150 a week. Um, I'm not gonna. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense for a better like me. Um, so. <laughs> But every once in a while, he throws out uh, little free plays and this and that. Um, and he said to throw the crib at Tennessee plus seven. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I decided to look into it a little bit. Um, and I like it. I think that uh, I, I really do. I think that ten- Tennessee comes out and uh, I think they could actually win personally. Um they're six and one against the spread in their last seven games on the road versus a team with a winning home record. Um, the Ravens one and seven against the spread following a straight up loss, which again, they lost to the Patriots last week. Um, oh, and four against the spread after giving up over three fifty. Oh, and four against the spread at home versus a team with a winning road record. Um, looking at all this, I do. I love the Titans plus seven and a half. Like I said, I already put some money on it. Um, and I like the over in this game as well. Okay. Um, I, I'm in agreement with Tennessee here. I think that the way Baltimore is trending uh, the last few weeks, similar similar trajectory as Tennessee has, you know, yeah. the last few weeks. Um, but no, no loss really has felt as bad as Baltimore in New England last oh. week. Um, that offense just doesn't look like it knows what to do with itself right now. They're no. really floundering in confidence. And, you know, I, I see this game as going under because I think the defenses kind of, kind of step up to contain it a little bit. You know, if this is a 27 to 21 game, which I think um, it is kind of around the realm that it sits, um, this game is still under. Um, so I'm going to take the under here, but uh, you know, Tennessee has to, at some point, step up 
and challenge Indianapolis. Baltimore is falling too far behind yeah. uh, Pittsburgh to really make a significant play at the division right now. Yeah. Um, so I think Tennessee comes in hungrier with a lot more to play for. They might even come out of this game with a victory, but certainly they keep it within a touchdown. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that one of the reasons I like the over here, I noticed the starting safety for the t- Titans, Kenny Vaccaro, he's out. Uh, Jadavion Clowney out as well. Um, so, and it's just some starters out on defense there, uh, for Tennessee. That's why I think it's going to go over, um, mm-hmm. and looking at trends as well, um, in their last six games versus the AFC, it's gone over five out of six, um, following a spread loss, 10 of the games, Tennessee games have gone over nine, eight out of the last nine. Um, also six out of the last seven the November games have gone over for the Tennessee Titans as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I look, just looking at this game, I, I personally I think that there will actually be a lot of points, um, and I but I do I think Tennessee com, comes out and actually wins the game. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving on now, uh, we got the New England Patriots at the Houston Texans again. Austin isn't here. Sorry for all you New England fans listening. Um, he ain't here, so let's talk New England. <laughs> I really don't see how Bill Belichick's uh, game plan really changes from week to week here. Um, They're playing the same kind of team as Baltimore, uh, but Houston has vastly inferior offensive weapons uh, than Baltimore can boast. But the offense is still kind of still, still kind of plays to that same kind of dynamic with a mobile quarterback and, Um, you know, deep threat options, a defense that, you know, has the uh, appearance of being solid. Uh, But I I don't know what Bill Belichick changes. And it worked so well for them last week. So uh, I'm going to take the Pats this week, minus one and a half in Houston. Yeah, I I like that as well. Um, It it sucks to say, but I I do think New England comes out and wins this game. I think the the big thing for them offensively – is ball control. They have one of the best rushing offenses in the league. Um, and we've mentioned it before uh, in previous weeks, Houston's defense, Houston's defense, particularly their rush defense. It's, it's as bad as it gets. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think this game goes under 49 uh, and mm-hmm. I like, New, I like new England to cover as well. Yeah. I like this game is going under and, and isn't, didn't Sony Michelle get activated this week? Do we know I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to place a bet on the game or not. I think if I did, I'd be betting on the under, um, that line has actually gone up over the week. It started at 47. It's now at 49. Um, I'd probably take it at something like 50 and a half, um, you know, tease the line a little bit and, and uh, cover your ass. That's what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks and it's been working. So, um, yeah, I think I'd go with the under there. Um, on to the next one. First game in the afternoon window. And New York Jets, the winless New York Jets, visiting the L.A. Chargers. Oh, man. This game. Um, <laughs> you've got a team that, you know, doesn't really know how to win against a team that can't win anything. Yeah. This, this reads like, you know, the Chargers – should blow them out of the water. They're at home against a winless team um, whose sole purpose is really to 
come into the draft next year drafting number one. So there's no reason that the Chargers, a two-win team, uh, right, two wins, right, or is it three now? Two, two wins. They're two and seven. Two-win team. A, a two-win team, a 10-point favorite in the NFL. That's that's how big of a difference <laughs> betters think there there is between these two teams. The Chargers should run away with this game. Do I have the confidence that they will run away with it? I don't know. Well, and that's just it. Like, how, how can you have confidence in a team that's that blew four leads of 16-plus? Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, it is the New York Jets. I know Joe Flacco had, like, a pretty good game um, against New England. Um, they still managed to lose. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they put up 27 points, they're still only averaging, uh, what, 12 points a game, 13 points a game or something like that. 13.4, 13.4 points per game. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hard game. I think offensively, uh, Justin Herbert, he should be able to go out and eat this game. Um, you, you know, number seventh pass offense against the number 29 pass defense. Um, New York's traveling too. This is a, this is a road game for New York. They're traveling all the way across country. Um, I it's, it's hard to say the line is actually sitting at, it started at minus 10. It's uh, I think it's sitting at eight and a half right now um, for what I'm looking at. I, it, it's tough. It, it's really tough to, to make a guess. I really want to say LA though. Everything that you're saying makes logical sense. But <laughs> nothing about these two teams play has been logical for a complete game. So yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's kind of in the position I'm in here. I, I want to pick the Chargers here with the points. I yeah. do. Um, and But I'm, I'm not going to put any, any any skin on it. Yeah, I think I think I do like over 46 and a half. Um, I, I think there I think there will be a fair amount of points scored. Um, but yeah, as far as that spread goes, I just don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, there could be 40 points scored in the fourth quarter just because of how <laughs> these teams can't win a game. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, really. I actually, I you know, the more the more I think of that, I, I really do like the over there. Um, I think I probably will bet that, especially mm-hmm. if it's sitting at 46 and a half or something like that. Um, moving on to one of my favorite stories of the year, the Miami Dolphins are visiting the Denver Broncos uh, right now. The, the line actually is surprised. This is, this is weird. This line opened up at Denver minus one. Um, it is quickly. I don't know why it opened there either. It is swung very quickly through the week right now. Miami's favored by three and a half. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of a trap game this really is. Uh, <laughs> Miami has been on a serious roll punching well above their punching well above their weight. Um, and they're coming in to face a team that's what do they have going on offense exactly that's positive? Um, there's not a lot. (laughs) The the one thing, the one determining factor could be that this is Denver, this is where mobile quarterbacks go to slow down and die in this, in in the the mile high air of Denver. It's just something at game speed, at game time, you 
you need to be well adjusted to if you're going to succeed. Um, so uh, Miami is not just not just uh, you know one player that's making the difference here. The fact that it's you know a, a very well-rounded team approach yeah. might go in their favor here. But if one too many cogs kind of kind of slip off that that efficiency here, we might be looking at an upset. We might be. I don't think we're going to be, though. I think if you look at what Denver's offense does compared to what Miami's defense does, uh, like as far as points scored goes, uh, Denver puts up 20 points a game and Miami gives up 20 a game. Um, and that's it's been pretty – Miami's basically been giving up 20 a game all year long. Like, it's been pretty steady. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're number nine in, in turnovers forced, and Denver gives up the ball more than any other team. They've, they've turned the ball over 21 times this year. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I just, just based off that, I know it's mile high and, and this and that, but I mean, the Dolphins went, the Dolphins first win with Tua as the starter. He didn't even throw for a hundred yards. Um, they, they, they get it done other ways. And I think just as a full team effort, I think they, I think the ball keeps rolling for Miami. Um, I like them to win. I like them to cover. Um, and over under a 46, again, I don't – it's tough to say. I think it might go under. I like the under here. I like the under more than I like picking between one of those teams. At this <laughs> um, anything um, – I think maybe a defensive score for Miami could, could, could really kind of put it away for them yeah. because of the turnover trouble that Denver has had. And – you know, maybe maybe the field position swings wildly in Miami's favor because of that in this game as well. Uh, we don't know how well Denver is going to be able to move the ball, especially early in the game. Um, so may may come down to what Denver can do in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning that it looks it sounds like Matt Breda is back in action for Miami as well. Um, they got a pretty good game out of their running back Ahmed last week. Um, I think adding having another running back in there will definitely help them as well. Um, Can't hurt. Moving on to um, this is again this is one of those it's one of those games. There's always one every week that I just couldn't give a fuck about, and <laughs> and this is one of them. Uh, Dallas at Minnesota. Um, <laughs> Minnesota's favored by seven. Uh, over under sitting at forty eight and a half. What do you think about this fucking sorry excuse for a game? Um, I think the Red Rockets back. Um, you know, Andy Dalton is back to to lead this offense. We're gonna get a good sense, I think, now of what he'll be able to do in charge. Um, and I think when he's in charge of this offense, it's much better than it has been over the past uh, few weeks. Um, I like Dallas at plus seven here. Uh, I think I, I don't don't know if they win. But I see it as maybe more of a three or four point game than a seven point game. I don't think Minnesota is that uh, dominant right now. They've had a good run um, and they'll be feeling good at home. I think they should be able to put it away. Yeah. Um, but uh, to give them a touchdown, I think that's more than I want to give them right now. I, uh, you know what? I, I think, I think the, there's a lot of things you can look at that might make you lean toward Dallas. Um I don't know if I'm buying it or not. I think the Vikings are really hot right now. I think they're, you know, they're starting to build a lot of confidence. And I, I think Dallas is the exact opposite. I know, I know Andy Dalton's coming back, but in Dalton's two starts this year, they've only put up 13 points. 
Um, I, I, I really don't know. I'm not, I'm really not buying it. Um, even at minus seven, I think I'm taking Minnesota. I, again, I don't know if I bet on it. I hate both of these teams so much. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I have zero faith in Dallas right now. Um, okay. I think I would go under and I think I'd take Minnesota. Okay. I'm taking Dallas and I'm taking the over here. I think it's, I think, I think we both think it's going to be completely different games. Yeah. <laughs> this has really just got gut feeling all over, uh, all over me. And I could end up being dead wrong, but uh, I think Dallas has something to say in this game. All right. All right. Well, let's, this is actually, I, I had this pegged as one of the best matchups of the weekend. I think it's very interesting. Uh, Green Bay visits Indy. Um, Right now, Indy's favored by – it's a pick basically. Indy's favored by one, over-unders at 51-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. So uh, the line I looked at started today, today on Pinnacle. I saw it this morning at Green Bay plus two-and-a-half. Yeah. Oh, now it's, it's a pick. I got oh, – Now it's a I pick had, I had uh, – yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pick now, basically. Yeah, so um, Indy looked really good against Tennessee last week. And Green Bay looked pretty terrible against Jacksonville. Yeah. But I expect a much better effort from Rodgers in this game as Green Bay keeps moving towards the number one seed in the NFC. Green Bay has the far superior offense. Um, while Indianapolis, probably fair to say, has the superior defense. Um, the main thing for me that affects this game um, is r- the spread now makes it a pick And if you give me Aaron Rodgers on one side of the ball, there aren't many teams I'm going to pick to beat him. I'm going to take Green Bay to win here. I think that the over-under is going to be dictated by the second and third quarters, as that's when most of these teams, both of these teams seem to do their scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game is being played in a dome. Now let's go over some of the dome stats for Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. From 2006 through t- 2018, this is how Aaron Rodgers fares in a dome. 116.5 quarterback rating. That's number one. 110.6 passer rating on deep balls. That's also number one. He has an adjusted completion percentage of 78.3%. That ranks third. And he doesn't get to play in a dome a lot. In other words, he likes it when he does. So I'm going to take Green Bay and I'm going to take this game to go over. Well, we're 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 disagreeing a lot today, which I like. I think it's a good thing. Um, since we're talking about Rodgers, in his last sixteen games on the road versus a non-division opponent in November, he's three and thirteen straight up and four eleven and one against the spread. I'm going to go with Indy. Um, as far as the over/under, I'm not touching it because I'm a chicken shit. But I'm taking, it, <laughs> but I'm taking Indy in this one. <laughs> um. On to the Sunday nighter, um, you know, could have been a good game at one point in time, but it's Casey at Vegas uh, right now, Kansas City favored by eight. Okay. That's even changed in the last hour. Yeah. Um, I, I've got like, and, and I'm sure that it may change again before, before kickoff tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know about the game plan. Vegas is really going to have, against the Kansas City offense not being able to play the bulk of their starters in practice this week on that game plan. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if Vegas is at home. They did play them. You know, they are, though, the one loss on Kansas City's, you know, side of the column there. 
Um, and I know Kansas City knows that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so expect them to really, really come out and show who the kings of this division are. Yeah. Um, I, I like this game to go under 58. I think Vegas is going to be able to uh, keep Kansas City's defense from really, really running away with that. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't think this is as much of a shootout um, as, as the first game was. Yeah. I think this game is kind of kind of settles in around the uh, 47 to 52 range. Um, but uh, Kansas City could win this game by 10 points. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I do think it goes under. I think that's a, that's a heavy, heavy line. Um, yeah, and like, like you said, there's tons of guys in with you know with the COVID protocol stuff. Um, I, I, I like Kansas City here and, and I like the under as well. I think uh, that's probably a game I'll be betting on. Um, on to the Monday nighter, another good game. Um, we got the LA Rams visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another primetime game for Tampa Bay. Another primetime game for Tampa Bay, but another opportunity for the Rams to show the world, I think, kind of how underrated and good this team is right now. Yeah. Um, I like the Rams here to keep it within a field goal. So if you give me plus three and a half on the Rams, I'm taking the Rams here. They may not win the game, but I think they keep it that close. Um, you know, Tampa is Tampa. They've got a great defense. Uh, they've got an offense that clicks most of the time. Um, the wide receivers are gelling a bit more around Antonio Brown. Like I think he had six or seven catches last week. Um, so he's become uh, integrated into this offense. Uh, and Tom Brady is getting more confident with them. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay, you know, does win this game as they should. Uh, but uh, the Rams executed uh, a fantastic game plan last week and came away with a big division victory. Um, so I, I think I think they're going to play Tampa tough. I really do. They may not win this game but I'll take them plus three and a half. Yeah, I, I like the Rams here too. Um, I think, you know, in the past when Tom Brady's had trouble, it's when there's pressure in his face. Um, this is a good, Aaron Donald. Aaron, Aaron Donald's a guy that can get that done. Um, yes, sir. And, you know, we've seen what happens in games when Tom Brady, Tom Brady gets rattled. Like he's had two really bad games against New Orleans this year. Um, yeah. And and looking at LA's defense, it's it's a lot scarier looking than New Orleans defense, um, in pretty much every category. Um, I, I think I like the Ram the Rams to win outright here. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely a game I'll be looking at. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that you know the uh, looking at Tampa Bay's run game too. It's not they don't have a great run game, and, and LA's rush defense is really good. Uh, if if L- if Tampa can't establish a run game. Um, and Aaron Donald sort of able to, you know, just feast on Tom Brady, um, or and if not him, well then it'll be somebody else coming off the edge when he's getting double and triple team. Um, I like yeah. LA's chances in this one. I do. I think it's a close game, but I love them plus three and a half for sure. Uh, yeah, and and I think because of that pressure, this game probably stays under too. Yeah, yeah, I like the under here too. Yeah. Um, so that's it for our uh, games this week. Um, what I'm going to do, uh, I've been doing it for the last few weeks. Uh, basically I make my pinnacle power plays. Um, I've been putting it up on my Instagram stories and stuff like that. 
uh, not to toot my own horn too much, but I had a huge week last week. Um, went five for five on my big plays and uh, hoping to, uh, to repeat, to repeat something like that this weekend. Um, again, we're, I'm locking in Cle- the Cleveland game. I love them at minus two and a half. Um, I like the over in the new Orleans Atlanta game. Um, let's see what, Oh, I, I already, bet, already bet on Tennessee plus seven and a half. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, what else did we have there? Um, oh, I, I still love my, I think I love, I'm going to lock in Miami this week. Um, I like the Pats this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think, I don't know if I'm going to bet on that indie game or not. I think I like Indy to win though. Um, and I think that's that's probably all I'll do. I'm gonna stick with you know maybe four or five things again this week. Um, again, last week was uh, that's the best week I've ever had. I can I can honestly say that. So uh, looking mm-hmm. to continue that trend. There you go. Yeah, play the role. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I love most of those picks. Um, I think uh, that over in New Orleans uh, is, is a lock. Uh, I'm definitely running Cleveland. Um, definitely liking the Pats at minus one and a half. Yeah. Um, might manipulate that Tennessee line back to um, back to six and a half or seven or so. Yeah. Uh, but but I like them in that range. Um, and I also I, I like the under in Kansas City Vegas. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a dirtier defensive game. Yeah. Um, but uh, man, both of those teams know how to score points. Um, but uh, I, I, I think I think this game is is a bit calmer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if you know if you're given a line of 57 on that one, I think that's again it could it could very it could go over but i think i like where you're leaning this week with that one i think it stays under as well um do you by any chance have the uh, matchups for the quarterfinals of the grand slam in front of you <laughs> let me bring those up buddy let's pull those up <laughs> uh, because we've got um We've got a lot of drama in there today after Gerwin Price went down. Oh, I, you know what, folks, we're talking about darts here. Um, the world, the Grand Slam of darts has been on, and uh, we just watched the last session of the round of 16. So we're into the quarterfinals, and it's starting to get heated. Yeah, so, so the first game tomorrow is, uh, I believe this was, th- this, was a, this was a divisional matchup. This is uh, Michael Smith against Jose D'Souza round two. Um, I really like the way that uh, D'Souza has been playing. I love the way Michael Smith has been playing. This game comes down to Michael Smith's ability to hit the double. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. If the bully boy's hitting his doubles, he's, he could be the hardest guy to beat. Like he's so incredibly smooth. Um, I, 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 I'm not even a huge fan of his to be honest, but, the guy looks really, really good. These are the top three. Um, these are two of the top three in scoring power yeah. uh, left in this tournament. These are, to me, these would be number two and number three. Um, and when Michael Smith is is hitting doubles, uh, he's. I don't think you're going to beat him. No, I, I agree. I, I, I'd pick Smith there for sure. Uh, the second game up uh, in the morning session, another divisional game, uh, Damon Hedda oh. and James Wade. <laughs> I, I love I absolutely love this matchup um, I think I mean obviously if you're just looking at looking at it on paper James Wade far more experienced um, 
but you know, Damon Hedda, he's he's like he's kind of like uh he's he's kind of robotic out there. Like he he's a very uh, technical player. It seems like um, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I, I'm I don't know who's gonna win that one. I'm kind of just excited to watch it. Yeah, I don't think his nickname, the Heat, really kind of belies his personality. There, uh, he seems more like a James Wade with how unflappable he seems to be. Um, and you know, that's really kind of the measured approach that he takes, that he takes to throwing his dart every time. I can't imagine the kind of focus that, you know, uh, and exhaustion he must feel after a match like that because of how much he focuses on every dart, every throw. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think James Wade's experience pulls through here in the end. Uh, Damon had a one today, but he didn't really dominate. Uh, Devin Peterson didn't give him his best game. No. Um, and James has been solid yeah. since uh, uh, since the the tournament started. Well, so I would I would tip him to make the semis here. Uh, James James even said in his last interview against his last game or in his last game, um, you know, and he said <laughs> he said, well, when it, when I'm on, nobody's better than me. And so it kind of <laughs> you know he he hadn't played his best game, but it shows the kind of confidence he has in himself. And, I, I do. I think he he should win. He should win that game. But uh, I mean, oh, certainly. as we've seen, anything can, anything can happen. Yeah, he's had this. He he always has this confidence. He believes in himself, and that's what's propelled him to be a nine-time TV title winner. Yeah. Um. It, the way I look at James Wade, uh, and I think Wayne Martle even said it this week. But uh, if you put him uh, against someone and they're on par. I'm taking James Wade every time. Yeah. And that's because of how he finishes the games. Yeah. He knows how to win. Yeah. Also, nobody hits double tens at the rate James Wade does. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would be uh that's uh, that that's kind of when, when you see James Wade and Michael Smith play, you want to know who's gonna hit the double ten better. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> James Wade's made a career out of hitting that segment of the board to win big games. Yep. Yeah, he sure has. Uh, first stop in the uh, in the evening session, we've got um, an interesting matchup in Nathan Aspinall and Dimitri Vandenberg. Vandenberg has uh, has been by far and away the best scorer in this tournament to this point. Yeah. And Nathan Aspinall just knocked off the two time back to back champ, and you know he's a top eight player in the world, yeah. uh, which Dimitri Vandenberg is not. Um, I don't know. The uh, I, I think the way that their forms are right now, I think Vandenberg has an edge. And I think because there's no crowd involvement, uh, that, that gives Vandenberg uh, more peace of mind to steady himself on the big shots. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm definitely, I mean, obviously just based off of his scoring, uh, what he's been doing, um, I, I would lean towards Vandenberg. Aspinall is one of my favorite players, actually. Uh, I hope he wins. Um, I think coming, you know, beating beating Price the way he did, like he was up big, and then he gave the yeah. lead up completely uh, yeah. before coming back and winning it. Um, and you could tell there was times when, like, the nerves were really getting to Aspinall at times. Um, mm-hmm. He he pulled it together and he came out with a huge win. Uh, Price is by far my least favorite player, so that was awesome. <laughs> that was so much. That was so awesome to watch. Um, definitely. Uh, Definitely the matchup to watch, though, is this one. It should be fun. 
I hope we talk more darts in the future because he is by far the my favorite player to watch. So it would be it's going to be fun to 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 debate that with you as time goes on here. Oh, he's uh, I'm not saying he's not fun to watch. He's an amazing player. I just can't stand the fucking guy. <laughs> like I, there's there's no one in the history of darts who's taken steroids until now. <laughs> Folks, you got to understand, this guy used to be a rugby player. In the sport of darts, it's just a bunch of overweight dudes throwing for the most part. Um, Gerwin Price is this, like, absolutely shredded juice monkey. And, like, you know, the, the veins are popping out of his neck and on his temple and shit. He's just out of hand. I can't stand him. Anyways. <laughs> Hot take right there. Hot yeah. take, folks. Um, so we round up the quarterfinal lineup, which uh, what – uh, odds makers say should be uh, the the softest quarterfinal of them all. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen against Simon Whitlock. Um, I I would agree with that. Um, that the line should be kind of that uh, kind of that separate how they've they've played recently. Um, but Simon Whitlock has beaten Michael Van Gerwen. In the last two big TV tournaments. Yep. <laughs> so, how much is that going to be weighing on Michael Van Gerwen? He hates. He hates playing Simon Whitlock. Yeah. I don't know what it is about him that his head can't focus like it does against a player like Gary Anderson. Oh, um, we've, but, we've, uh, we've we've kind of seen, um, you know, as of late the last couple months, really, uh, kind of seen sort of a resurgence out of Simon Whitlock. And I, I mean, I used to like when I first started watching darts on TV which was, you know, almost 10 years ago now. I guess, it was, yeah, about eight years ago I started watching darts. Um, he was one of my favorite players, and then he kind of, you know, you didn't hear a lot about him. Um, he's back. Like, he's back in a big way. Um, I don't know if he'll win. I think I think in, in this kind of format, I think, you know, over over the match, MVG takes it. But I think it's going to be a close one. How, how, how early does he get into Michael Van Gerwen's head? That's that's my question. If Van Gerwen can jump out to a 6-1, 7-1 lead like he did today, um, nothing Whitlock can do will, will save him. No. But if this is close at the second break, like even if Van Gerwen is 6-4 up, uh, that's, you know, uh, Whitlock's still in there with a the sneeze and Van Gerwen hasn't put him away yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, it's how, how those first ten legs go. I think might decide this match. Yeah, for sure. Well, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I, I don't know if I don't know what to do. Like whether I need to be watching football on Dazzin or whether I should be watching darts. But uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, I think darts would be less stressful for me to watch. But uh, I think uh, I don't I don't know if I'll put a wager. Oh, by the way, congratulations on your parlay on your four four match uh, parlay there the other day. Um, yeah, that was a good day. Yeah, that's that that, that's day. huge. Um, don't know if I'm going to throw a bet. Don't know if I'm going to throw a four bet on on these guys. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little too close. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Um, I think, uh, as as I said at the top of the show, we are going to do a Tuesday night sort of midweek recap uh, show of the the games for all over Sunday and Monday. So I uh, hope you all tune in then. Good luck to everybody. Noel, as always, it's a pleasure. And yeah, uh, take care, buddy. All right. We'll talk to you.